0: Continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 117, Continuously Improving Leadership with DEI with Kevin Wayne Johnson. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are words that have become politically charged. Kevin Wayne Johnson is a student of leadership and a leadership coach. He believes that DEI is a core component of great leadership and that all organizations benefit from leaders who value diversity, understand equity, and practice inclusion. To me, what he says resonates with the core principles of lean leadership. He joined me at the Edges of Lean to share his experience and his insights with us. Kevin Wayne Johnson, welcome to the Edges of Lean.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is absolutely a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Kevin, I'm very glad you're here with us. I think it's a very timely topic that we're going to be discussing today. But first, introduce yourself to my wonderful Edges of Lean audience and tell us about your career path.
1: All right, excellent. Well, Kevin Wayne Johnson is a native of Richmond, Virginia. My um, family. Resides there. Going back to my great grandparents on both sides, uh, I attended Armstrong High School and then I matriculated to Virginia Commonwealth University, and I graduated from their School of Business uh, a good number of years ago. I won't say exactly when. Uh, and and for those my of wife, you... yes,
0: yeah, I to say for those of you who are listening and not watching on on YouTube, uh, Kevin is wearing a beautiful VCU uh, sweatshirt this morning. So <laughs>
1: absolutely, <laughs> right, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. you're good, Bella. I was just about to say um, my, my wife and I were very, very active alum uh, of Virginia Commonwealth University. We've been actively involved in all of the alumni reunion activities. And uh, I've served on the board of directors for a while with the School of Business. And we're still really, really tightly knit with a lot of our classmates. But following my graduation, uh, i matriculated here to the Washington DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia area. Uh, to pursue a career with the federal government. And interestingly enough, I stayed for 34 years. It went by really, really quick. Started with the Department of Defense. Uh, Then I went over to the Department of Treasury as a mid-level leader. And then as I progressed to the senior leadership ranks, I went back home to Department of Defense for my last 14 years. And I worked in a lot of different capacities and a lot of different areas. And I did that on purpose because it set me up for some really, really good promotional opportunities and also opportunities to travel the world uh, representing my agency and my organization. So it was a great career. Uh, and then right after that, after I retired back in 2017, I stu- stood up my company, the Johnson Leadership Group, LLC, uh, based here in the state of Maryland. I have 10, 10 people that work with me, a diverse team of men and women certified in their areas leadership development training, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancy and training, and also certified as an executive coach. Uh, And my life's mission in this season of my life is really to just pour into the current and next generation of leaders because we just believe that better leaders help to make the world a much better place. So I've been married for 30 years from our union. We have three sons. Uh, We also have a goddaughter who has two daughters. So we have two god granddaughters uh, that we pull oh, as well. Yeah. And life, life is fun. And and that's why I smile a lot.
0: Oh, that's great. And one of the things that, that you told me, Kevin, when we were talking previously was that in those, all those opportunities that you were taking in, um, the, the different agencies that you were with, you saw a lot of different kinds of leadership and, um, we learned a lot from that. Um, so could you just share with us a couple of examples of you know where you saw some great leadership and um, what you learned from those experiences?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what really made it so intriguing and so fascinating is that working for the Department of Defense as a civilian employee, I found myself in the midst of three cultures, not so much at Treasury, but definitely at Defense. Uh, my colleagues and I who were civilians, I also worked arm-in-arm with military personnel, enlisted soldiers, junior officers, flag officers, and general officers. So from the private first class all the way up to the four-star general or the four-star admiral in the Navy. And then I also worked alongside contractors, and these are men and women who are employed by the companies that the government contracts to deliver services Uh, to render services or to deliver products. And what's interesting, Bella, and everyone listening, is that those are three different cultures. The military culture is chain of command. Uh, The civilians like to have their opinions. Mm. And the contractors pretty much just put their face to the metal and get things done because their company is there to adhere to the terms and conditions of the contract. And what I found was not only different types of leadership, but I also learned that there were some leaders that found themselves in that culture that didn't know how to flex and didn't know how to adapt, and they weren't resilient in terms of their audience and learning how to lead their audience. So, for example, uh, military personnel, it's chain of command. You pretty much do what you're told. You, you, don't, you don't have an opinion. You don't negotiate. And you don't, you don't tell your superior officer, have you considered this? Mm. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, And so as a civilian leading military personnel, you have to remember that's the mindset, that's the training, that's the culture. Conversely, if you're a military leader leading civilians, you have to be more open and understand how we operate as civilians because we will raise our hand and have a better way. Have you considered going this way? Have you thought about what the ramifications of this would be? And so I found that the good leaders always knew how to navigate through these three different cultures each and every day, every week and every month. And the leaders who were not effective, I don't necessarily call them bad leaders, they just were not as effective, didn't understand the nuances and how to motivate and influence and inspire people in the different communities, whether it's contractor civilian or military. And then what I would see, here's my lessons learned. I see how it left people feeling.
0: Mm. When when, when people are
1: led well, it boosts confidence. It gives them boldness. uh, It provides clarity. And now they're ready to tackle the next area of responsibility because with that comes visibility and accountability. However, on the flip side, leaders who aren't that well groomed on how to lead a wider audience, other than from just their culture, they sort of leave people feeling uh, a certain way, like they don't really have what it takes to get it done. Uh, I've seen people kind of go into their shell, they isolate themselves, they're not as vocal, they no longer have an opinion or a thought or a perspective. And so it, it makes people feel good When they're led well and it 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 leaves people not feeling so good when they're not when they're not being led well and typically what happens is people then do what I call vote with their feet they they leave the organization but they're leaving the organization because of that leader not so much the organization so those are just a few examples that always come to mind and from that I've learned much better how to engage with people, how to influence them, how to inspire them, and how to motivate them, because it's more than what we know, but it's also how we go about providing opportunities for those that we are entrusted to lead. So that that was a big takeaway, and that's what I teach uh, as the founder of the Johnson Leadership Group.
0: Kevin, when do you... Uh, contrasting those cultures and you, and specifically you talked about the, the command and control col- culture versus the type of culture where people are expected to bring ideas and expected to, um, you know, look for ways to improve things. Um, and there's, I think there's a kind of, you know, the, they are contrasting cultures. I do know that in the military, there are places in the military where, um, you know, they are very interested in improvement and they, they do after action review and, um, and oodle loops and things like that so um but it, it i think that's in certain pockets right it's not it's not everywhere and anyone who's in the military listening you know yeah send us a comment let us know what you think the thing that is is fascinating to me about that is that a lot of people come into leadership with that command and control model in their mind and maybe they got that in school or maybe that's what they saw on TV or that's just what they think a leader is and that switch then to being uh, the type of leader that is um, able to uh, and wants um, other people's ideas but still keep you know still keep moving towards the goal is a very hard mental switch. So what did you learn about that?
1: Well, I learned that helping leaders to understand the benefits of listening mm. does a couple of things. Number one, it helps you and I as the leader to be able to gain insight and information on a topic that maybe we just didn't know all of the answers. And and that's okay because as the leader, we're looking to grow and improve and develop and get better ourselves in addition to those that we're leading. But here's what's equally important. When we take the time to listen to others, we're sending a subliminal message back to them that what they have to say is important and that we value your contribution to the team, to the organization, to the agency, to the command. And that's very, very important in terms of keeping people engaged and keeping them uh, motivated and inspired to be all that they can be. And when we don't listen, two things happen. Number one, we don't gain insight and additional intel on a topic that we can consider toward solving a problem or making a decision, number one. But then number two, we send a message to the person that's sending the message, that's communicating the message to us. We're sending them a message that what they have to say really doesn't matter and we're not interested. And that's that's very, very demotivating. It's also very mm-hmm. deflating. It's part of part of human behavior. So we just we're asking leaders just to take a little bit more time, not too much, but a little bit more time to be considerate as it relates to what other people's input is, because we might just benefit. The team might just benefit, the organization might just benefit. And it's not a tall order. But it definitely goes a long way when we choose to to do that. So that that th- those are my takeaways from that. Uh, it's a it's a methodology that definitely works because now we're tapping into basic human behavior, and that is people want to be heard. I, I didn't say mm-hmm. you have to agree, but just hear them out and don't interrupt and don't and don't change the subject while they're talking. Just hear them out. And it, it goes a long way to helping people to really uh, tap into their potential and know that they are a valuable contribution to the team.
0: And that takes then the leader really understanding the limitations of their own knowledge, right? That you know, don't you don't know everything? You can't possibly know everything, and it's okay. I love what you said. It's a, it's okay. It's not a failure <laughs> of the leader to not be omniscient and not know and not know it everything and, and exactly. the wider the span of control the less likely you are you're gonna know uh what's uh you know what's really going on and, and what the situation is really really uh yeah
1: totally Kevin one agree. of the
0: one of the things that um you talked about in your intro was that um, in your business you're doing um DEI work diversity equity and inclusion yeah. and and i'm very interested in hearing more about that but let's start with your definition, when you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, what are you talking about?
1: Well, diversity has everything to do with us being open and receptive to hearing the diverse thoughts, perspectives, ideas, opinions, and viewpoints on a given subject, period. Because you sort of summed it up yourself there, Bella, we don't know what we don't know. Mm. And as leaders, we should be just as receptive to wanting to learn and grow and develop and improve as those that we are leading. And that's a good motivator for those that we are leading when they see that their leader is interested in learning more and and hearing more. And like you said, the the larger the organization, the wider the scope of, of command, um the the less likelihood we're going to know everything that's going on that's why we rely on our team so having people to give a thought on a particular subject or a particular topic that are not from your culture that do not have the same education level that you might have do not have the same work experience um that did not maybe grow up or work in a certain geographical area where you did adds value to what we're trying to accomplish and and that's what we mean by just hearing the diverse thoughts and the diverse opinions uh, when, I, when i when i have meetings you know i want i want the i want the finance person there i want the legal person there i want the operations person there I want the administrative assistant. I want the office manager there. Uh, I want certain clients and stakeholders to give their viewpoints on on a particular action I'm about to take. I want to hear a diverse mindset on this problem that we're trying to solve or this decision that we're making, and that's what we mean. We don't we don't want everybody from uh, the same background that went to the same school that all majored in biology to, <laughs> tackle, to tackle this issue that we're working on. I want to hear from somebody who has a chemistry background, maybe zoology background, somebody who uh, is interested in donating some dollars to the cause, because that's what's going to help to make the decision that much more robust and that much more informative. So that Bella is how I look at diversity, not so much the person, not so much the ethnicity, not so much the gender, but just representing a diversity of different ideas and thoughts based on their overall background.
0: So when you when you're talking about you're not necessarily talking about um, I mean what let, let me tell you though I mean if you were if you went into a client and you met with a leadership team and it was um, you know you looked around the table and it was all say white men what yeah. what would you expect I mean would would you be looking for different types of diversity in that in that group?
1: Yeah I, I would I'm gonna sit down and, and and this has happened so this is a real life example I'm, uh-huh, gonna,
0: I'm, I'm sure down. it is yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down in a very professional, diplomatic and tactful way, because that's just who Kevin Wayne Johnson is. That's just how I operate. And I'm gonna ask the question. um, I'd be interested in having a conversation with you all about getting some different ideas and some different thoughts, other than just those of you that are sitting around the table, because I believe that we can benefit by hearing some different perspectives. What do you think? Now, I use that approach because in my background, with my history, That does not come across as defensive. Mm. It does not come across as accusatory. And it does not come across as negative. I I see what I see, and so do you. I believe that we would be better positioned if we had other diverse thoughts uh, in the room to help us to get toward our desired goal. What do you think? And so I'm, 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 I'm opening up the dialogue to have a conversation. And then, and then- if by chance, and, and I have not had this happen, Bella, I have not had this happen, but if by chance, the men in that particular room collectively agree, nope, this is the team, this is who we are, we're not bringing anybody else in, then I would just say, then I would just respectfully decline and, and I would move on to to some other project or some other initiative.
0: But that, but that doesn't happen. So people, but I think, and I think because of the way you're putting it to them is, again, it's exactly what you are talking about before. You're asking to listen to them. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're saying to them, what do you think? Now you're opening up the door for them to say. So what kind of responses do you get?
1: Um, so this is really interesting. I, we just did a project not too long ago over a six-month period where the executive team were uh, all white men and and one white woman on the executive team. And so my partner and I just had a conversation with them, a candid but professional conversation with them around how have decisions been made on behalf of this organization in the past and how would you like or, uh, decisions to be made going forward, mm. right? Because there's, there's, there's a reason that you called us in to take a look at your standard operating procedures your employee handbook, how you make decisions, your organization chart. And you're asking us to help you to dive a little bit deeper and to be more diverse across a lot of different areas, not just hiring, but um, opportunities. Once people are hired, you want to be the type of company that's attractive to be able to recruit different types of people, et cetera, et cetera. And they they took a look at themselves and they were very honest and they said, listen, We don't know what to do, but we recognize and acknowledge that we should do something, and so that's why you're here. And that was the beginning of not only a great relationship, but that was the beginning of a good conversation, which helped us to produce uh, a product that they were happy with. Now, what I asked them to do, Bella, in terms of incorporating, uh, how how do we start at the very beginning with taking a move toward being more diverse? So I asked them, I asked the senior leadership team, I want you to identify five employees at any level in the the company that that we're going to interview. And and here are the 10 standard interview questions that we're going to ask. And they were something like this. Uh, Do you think diversity exists uh, within the organization? Do you even know what diversity is, how, how do you define it, et cetera, et cetera. They were 10 questions. And then we also asked to have a conversation to interview the board of directors. We, we want to interview the entire board of directors because not only do we want to see who they are, but we want to get their perspectives on where uh-huh. they think the yeah. organization is and, um, and, and whether or not this initiative is important or not. And that was the beginning of a great relationship, trying to be much more Uh, inclusive, and to not put people on the defense, but really helping them to understand the importance of this initiative. So that was a real-life example that happened uh, not too long ago. It was a six-month project, and we ended up delivering a good product for them that they're happy with.
0: And as you talk about, you know, when we talk about DEI, we also talked about equity and inclusion. So could you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about those two terms and, and what those mean to you?
1: Yeah, so I'll take the last term first, Bella, because okay. I think this is this is really, you could really take the exclusion piece, <coughs> excuse me, away from the DEI conversation. The I could be its own, it could stand on its own, because again, it goes to human behavior. Every one of us on the planet, and there's over 8 billion of us on the planet, All all 8 billion of us have three things in common because it goes to our human behavior. Number one is everybody wants to be affirmed. And and Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that every now and again, not every day, not, not even every week, but every now and again, all of us want to hear somebody say, well done, good job, I appreciate you, everybody. Some people much more than others, but it's a basic need that we all have. The second need that we all have is that everyone wants to belong to a tribe. And and what I mean by that is everybody wants to be connected to to something, right? To to a family member. Uh, This is why people join social and civic organizations. A lot of connections take place at church. When people show up to work, they want to know that they're actually a part of this team and this organization that they were hired into. It's just a basic need that we all have. And this is why we have, in some cases, when people don't get the treatment that they're looking for, they'll just go out and find it wherever they can. Uh, that's a, that's a whole different conversation, but that's number two. But here's number three that we all have in common: all eight billion of us on the planet. When we arrive, we all want to be included. We we want to know that when we show up to work every day and we are ready to give it all that we have, based on our knowledge, our skills, and our abilities, we want to know that we're we're actually included. Uh, on this team. We're, we're, we're a part of this organization. They're, they're going to value my contributions. They're going to hear my opinions and my viewpoints. So th- th- those are basic human behaviors that we all have. So the I, although it's connected to DEI, the I could actually stand on its own. So it doesn't matter your ethnicity, your gender, your background, your culture, where you grew up geographically, the, the years of work experience you have. Doesn't doesn't matter if you went to college and, and got your degree or your master's or your PhD or, you, or your high school graduate or your GED. That, doesn't matter. That's part of diversity. But regardless of all of those different things I just named, people want to be included when they show up. And that's what inclusion is. So when we have this DEI conversation, and by the way, Across the federal government, you know, it's an executive order from the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's one four zero three five. President Biden included accessibility for our men and women who have a mental or physical disability, but um, that was signed back in two thousand January two thousand one. But the, these are just basic concepts that we want leaders to be aware of because the more leaders are aware they now know to take a couple of extra steps to make sure that when people show up in their organization, on their team, when they're working on a project, an initiative, a contract, etc., to make sure that they feel included, make sure that their contributions are heard and valued. And that's just a basic leadership one-on-one principle and strategy that we share. And when you do that, you'll see a difference. You'll see a difference. Yeah, productivity, performance. Uh, people will smile, they'll have the right motivation, they'll, be, they'll have the right attitude, they'll be engaged because that's really, when it's all said and done, that's really what people are looking for. They, they expect you and I to show up uh, knowing our stuff. They, they expect us to be subject matter experts, but what they're quiet about and what most people don't voice is they're just wondering, how am I gonna be treated? Am I gonna be a part of this team or am I gonna be an outcast? That's really what is on the heart and mind of people. And that's the essence of this whole conversation over this past decade, maybe even further back around DEI because it was not happening consistently and equitably across our workplaces. So government, city, county, state and federal, corporations, small, medium, and large. Even in churches, we have data. In our academic institutions, colleges, universities, and even in our nonprofit organizations, those are the five venues where people are in the marketplace. It just was not consistent. And so that's why this DEI conversation has come up. And I would submit to you that those that are resistant uh, and those that don't support it, I don't believe fully understand it. They don't fully understand the depth and the breadth of human behavior and how we end up making people feel when um, the treatment is not equitable across the board. And then when people are not included, that's the I. And then the lack of diverse uh, viewpoints and opinions and perspectives to help organizations make better decisions across the board. So that, that's really the essence of what DEI is all about. And then, like I just said, for the federal government, we've added accessibility because we need to make sure that our brothers and sisters who have a mental or physical disability, whether you can actually see it or not, because some are invisible, uh, they should be treated with the same dignity and respect that you and I expect as well.
0: And again, what you're talking about, Ke- Kevin, is is exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, which is this is about for a leader. It's about being a leader that is listening um, and and expecting that that people are going to have something valuable to bring to the table. And when and when people feel as if they uh, bring if they're being listened to and somebody's glad that they're there, then they're going to have um, a much better engagement in the organization. One of the things though, that I, that, you know, I know that I've seen, um, you know, as you sort of come in and in and out of different organizations is that that leaders need to be um, helping the people below them to do that as well, because some of the, sort of the exclusion happens at the employee to employee level right you know you come in first day and um this you know you you don't have a laptop right Or you know they don't know what to do with you or nobody takes you to lunch or um you know the, a meeting happens and nobody tells you what's happening in the meeting or why you were not invited and all of those little things can um really help somebody feel as if they're being excluded from an organization where they may be very much wanted, but people at every level have not yet figured out how do I do this um, with with the people that I see? So how do you address that?
1: That's an excellent one. I, I like I love this question when I get it because actions, Bella, speak louder than words and people are watching their leader and leaders are examples and role models. And we tend to follow what we see our leaders do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's, it's, an, it's inevitable, it's been proven time and time again. We have all the data and statistics to prove it. Part of our communication has much more to do with the nonverbal than it does with the verbal. So the the way that we say something, our tone, And the body language and the facial gestures, um, which is the body language, uh, far outweigh the actual words that we're saying, not to mention people are watching what we do to determine whether or not what we're saying actually matches up with what we do. And so that is a great model in terms of teaching others in the organization uh, just below us or even two or three layers below us when they watch what we do, and what I mean by that, how we treat people, how we speak to people, our character, showing up to meetings on time, being punctual, delivering, being where we say we're going to be when we say we're going to be there, follow up, follow through, all of that is part of our character, and people are watching, and it actually speaks much louder than the words that we say. So that that's the advice. And that's the counsel and the guidance that I give to people in any given organization that are following their leader, uh, because because the leader is the role model and the leader is the example.
0: So that, that means that leaders need to be thinking every day about what am I showing people? What am I showing my people? How how am I helping them be better? Mm-hmm. Kevin and Wayne Johnson, you're an author. Tell us about that.
1: Yes. So... I've actually been writing. Bella, I've been I've been writing for 22 years. Uh, and, and speaking of diversity, I, I write on uh, diverse topics. I, I've yeah. written about, I write about faith. I've written about book marketing. Uh, I currently, in this season of my life, I'm writing about leadership. But I've also written about finance, uh, blended families, and I'm a principal author, and I'm also a contributing author. So I've I've added my story to a number of books that have been published over the years, uh, and interestingly enough, when you do that, you still become a published author. So I've been doing it for a while, but right now I'm focused on leadership, servant leadership in particular. It's a phrase that started way back in 1970, but mm-hmm. uh, when, I say, when I say servant heart, uh, what I'm referencing is making sure that as leaders, we match what we know, that's our intel and our acumen, with what's in our heart. And in our heart is the respect, the honor, the value, the uh, empathy, and the compassion that leaders should demonstrate when we're leading people. Uh, to be empathetic and compassionate as a leader does not make us weak. It makes us human. And that's what people are looking for in their leader. So they, again, I said it earlier, they expect us to show up uh, and gain credibility based on our subject matter expertise. There's an expectation there. But above and beyond that, what they really want to know is is how their leader is going to treat them. Uh, Is this leader going to provide development opportunities for me to get promoted? Am I going to be given resources and training? Uh, Am I going to be introduced to different people, expanding my network? Is my leader going to help me get there is really what they're looking for. But they don't they don't say it. They don't voice it. And so leadership with a servant's heart. Uh, is a series of books. Two have been published so far, 2019 and 2022, uh, with really the intention of really educating all of my readers on the strategies and principles that you and I have talked about in this episode, Uh, but also I share around mentoring, coaching, Uh, We talked a little bit about communication. You heard me use the word influence, because influence is Mm -hmm. the true measure of leadership. I I get into all of that. And at the end of all of my chapters, I have what's called thought-provoking questions, because I like my readers to have a chance to kind of put up the mirror and look at themselves and kind of do a self-assessment and go through those five questions, either in a group or one-on-one. And um, and the books are sold globally. Uh, they're sold around the world because we do work overseas as well. And I'm really really pleased. It's available in ebook. It's available in Kindle. It's available in audio book. And then of course it's available in print. Everywhere books are sold. I have a great partnership with Barnes and Noble. Very 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 friendly to authors. And we do different events in different cities around the around the country.
0: That's great. That's great and and I love that you've you've it sounds as if you've written on the things that have come into your life um, and uh, and yeah. just sharing that with with other folks Kevin how do people find you
1: well again the name of the company is the Johnson Leadership group so our website is www.thejohnsonleadershipgroup.com. we try to make it very easy uh-huh. uh, the e- the email is Kevin at the all, everything and anything about what we're doing is right there on the website. You can contact me there. Uh, we do offer a complimentary uh, 20-minute coaching session. If anyone wants to sign up, they can also sign up for our newsletter as well. And uh, if anybody wants me to come out and do any training or any speaking for their organization, they can contact me through the, through the website as well.
0: That's great. Kevin Wayne Johnson, what is your one piece of advice for a young person starting out?
1: For a young person just starting out, I would do this. I would surround myself with at least three men and women that you admire and that you can reach out to. I mean, for example, we admire celebrities and athletes, but I'm talking about somebody that you can actually reach out to and ask them if they would be willing to mentor you. And you say, well, mentor you to do what? Mentor me to help keep me guided and keep me focused and keep me on track to what I want to do when I grow up. Because many of us in high school, we think we want to go to college, but we're not quite sure what we want to major in or what college. And I would submit to you that while you're in high school, if not before, find three mentors that would be willing to help you uh, above and beyond your parents uh, to navigate those roads, it'll make things much clearer, much easier. You'll be much more focused, and you'll you'll achieve those goals and objectives much much sooner.
0: What great advice! And and what an honor for people to be asked to do that to be to be mm-hmm. that kind of mentor. Um, and one of the things that you know that i see that young people doing so uh, so much today is you know wanting to strike out on their own and i know i was that way right i want to strike (laughs) out on my own i was gonna you know i I was gonna remake the world on my own but um you know having those types of mentors is is such a boost along the way and absolutely uh, yeah well, Kevin Wayne Johnson, I very much appreciated this conversation with you. And thank you so much for traveling with me to the Edges of Lean.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Kevin Wayne Johnson for being my guest at the Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. You can find Kevin at thejohnsonleadershipgroup.com. He is also on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. And check out all my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com where you'll find lots of great new content every week. The Ages of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg with support from Podcasting. This is a Lean for Humans production.